Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, uh, my latest Good Trouble reflection. I'm coming at you today from the Apple Green Welcome Center uh, in beautiful New Jersey. <laughs> I am on the New Jersey Turnpike. You see the trucks and the uh, gas station and everything. Uh, I am here. I'm coming back from New, uh, what is it? Uh, East Coast Gaming Expo, uh, which was really fun. Uh, I was invited by the folks, the organizers there, to give some panels, give some talks about diversity, inclusion, all the stuff that you have come to know uh, from me. And, you know, uh, just really great to meet people, really great time to, you know, go over the same stuff, but actually in discussion format. Uh, so it was an uh, amazing time, highly recommended East Coast Gaming Expo. Uh, happens, uh, I think, in the summertime. Uh, every year uh, near Philadelphia. So, along with that, the announcement was made, the cat was uh, let out of the bag. Uh, on my end, one of the worst kept secrets, <laughs> uh, I am the primary culture consultant that is responsible for the new theme of Puerto Rico. Uh, so Puerto Rico 1897 has been announced and it is a complete uh, change of theme. Mecha no mechanisms change whatsoever. It is the same exact game that people have enjoyed for 20 years, please continue to enjoy it and also includes all four expansions uh, that were released that have been rethemed again uh, so instead of noble they're speculators instead of the buccaneer it's the uh, smuggler uh, so if you're familiar with those pieces well you're going to get all that stuff uh, in this new edition and also I'm talking about this on the one-stop co-op shop uh, where we do co-op and solo so it is possible uh, to uh, get a solo mode going for the game so it's a little bit of an announcement. Uh, they haven't announced anything yet. They're not w working on it yet. They're looking uh, to see what the pop, the um, popularity is. Uh, and if it's popular enough, because every game, every Euro game uh, has a solo mode. Uh, so if it's popular enough, they would absolutely consider uh, making a solo mode for future editions. So that's why I'm going to let people know. If you were interested in playing Puerto Rico uh, on your own, then they're willing to do it. Just, just want to see how popular it is. Uh, okay, so... Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much uh, to so many people that are involved in this project. Uh, I want to thank uh, Eric uh, from BGG who did the interview, uh, who you know did a really great job, followed up with a video, kind of with his own thoughts about uh, you know historicity and accuracy in games on his YouTube channel and Board Geeky channel. So go ahead and subscribe over there. Uh, that was fun. Uh, thank you to Cassidy Warner um, with Robinsberger. Thank you to Andre Mack with Aaliyah, who is the game the head of games over there who reached out to me in the first place, made that partnership happen. Thank you to RJ Seafair for uh, being so open with your design and, uh, you know, just wanting the best for your game and being willing to, you know, work with new concepts and new perspectives without changing the mechanisms. Uh, so there was an openness there. So that was cool too. So it's just so many people uh, down the line, which I want to thank. Um, and look at the article, like the article goes into more uh, on BGG, uh, Eric Martin's article. It goes into more detail about, you know, who was involved and what, what the process was. And I'll have more to come. And so many people, like, I mean, at this point, it's been, it's in the thousands of people who have liked posts and shared posts and talked about it and made positive comments. So, you know, that is so appreciated so much, especially people, you know, who take the time to private message on BGG. So great. That, that's been really, all that's been great. As usual, as I like to say, good stuff is slippery, bad stuff is sticky. For all the tons of positive feedback I get, there's always that the resistance, you know? 
and that makes it difficult because the resistance uh, it comes up in different places and you know it makes changes like this that i think should be obvious it makes changes like this so much harder than they need to be uh because of the actual you know people that are saying it and the other people who are friends of those people and it just creates so much friction like, and it stops what should be you know the norm to me more history <laughs> more people's history etc uh okay so i want to address one particular uh part of it here which is the difference between Euro games and war games. So a by far, the number one piece of feedback was, you know, well, is it bad to play a colonizer now? So what does that mean? I can't play a Nazi. I can't play, uh, you know, all these other uh, difficult uh, <laughs> uh, things or like a Viking Raider or whatever it is. Like you, know, you could go down the line, you could have scratched the surface a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, cutesy nastiness that goes on in war games. Uh, and so it's like, is that cool? Is that okay? It's like, you know, if, if this is not acceptable, then, what, you know, slippery slope, everything's not acceptable. Uh, and especially with the war games, people come up with that all the time. It's like, I feel like war gaming is like affirmative action for colonizers and Nazis. It, you know, it's like, we have to have these things. If we have to have fun. It's like, ah, anyway, but people, that's how people feel. So I want to address that directly. It's like, I mean, you know, I want to be able to play a Nazi. I want to be able to play a colonizer. I want to do whatever I want. And, you know, um, a change like this seems to indicate that there's a large segment population that doesn't think that's okay. Okay, all right, so let's get into the two things, uh, two reasons why I think um, war games are a lot better at delivering history, or have been a lot better, um, you know, traditionally than these Euro games at uh, offering history and offering players the chance to play these, you know, warlords or, you know, commanders, um, as opposed to the colonizers in a Euro game. Okay, so, War games are more invested in telling real history, and they're also more invested in telling that history from multiple perspectives. So the real history part first. So war games, unless it's like this super mass market, you know, Axis and Allies or Risk or whatever it is, the vast majority of that genre um, wants to tell real history and they're servicing a niche audience. So they're far less likely to make choices that are kind of like, you know, make the audience feel comfortable. Uh, they want the audience to think and they want the audience to engage in the history, right? And so, you know, most war games that I know are very, you know, uh, well-researched and they have their perspectives and all that kind of stuff. So we could talk about that, but for the most part, I think the authors are serious in terms of the delivery of, you know, a sense of history. And not just to teach it, it's not a teaching tool necessarily. It's not just like a boring educational thing. It's exploring this really dynamic issue of what if it could have been different? Not just what the history is, but what if history could have been different? Now, all these, you know, uh, very serious uh, history games, war games are concerned with like, okay, this war could have gone differently and history would be a lot different. Uh, you know, what if the other side won? What if uh, Britain had fallen? You know, during World War II, which is a, a thing that, you know, World War II seems to be the preoccupied thing. Uh, what if the U.S. had won Vietnam? What if, you know, going back into history, you know, if it was a colonization war game, we got no problem with that. I think all uh, colonization games should be war games. Uh, so then from playing that, what if the natives had held off uh, the, the European influence for decades, you know, or whatever it is because of successful campaigns? I want to be able to explore those questions and not just in an academic setting, not just in a book. I can read books all you know, a day about you know, counterfactuals, but playing it, 
it's exciting, it's fun, it opens up different parts of my mind, I learn. Uh, and I learn more about the way the world is now. Sometimes you have to learn about the way the world could be or could have been in order to learn about the way the world is better. The war games help us do that. The best ones do. Uh, and so you gotta have a dedication to history. You gotta have a dedication to historical fact. You can't just like kind of stick things in there and make it up. And also um, because they're intended for a niche audience, they're not gonna skimp on the history stuff. If something's difficult, they're gonna stick it in there or they're gonna try to. If things get glossed, if things get uh, smoothed out, a lot of it's for you know, game balance purposes. Uh, just for you know, making a playable game, the game still has to be playable and, and somewhat fun. Uh, so uh, yeah, then that is also up for debate. What did you gloss? What did you choose to gloss? Uh, what have you omitted? What have you left in? What does that say about your argument? That's all um, like really great stuff to talk about. And so that's cool. That's number one. So number two, and it is really um, comes hit home for me because war games come at things from multiple perspectives. You essentially have conflict. There's one side and another side, and if you're playing one side, you get into it, and you not just get into their tactics and their everything uh, along the strategic lines, but you also get into their rationale, their motivations, their worldview, what they're trying to accomplish. Like, a, you know, the asymmetric games are like, well, this you know, area, this uh, group wants to conquer the whole land, and this other group wants to survive, and this other group wants to get resources and do something else. So the war games are do such a great job with that because it is within that multi-perspective uh, format that you can get the voice of the oppressed and the voice of the marginalized and the voice, uh, the, the voice that I'm concerned with as a person who wants to see a multicultural society, I give special weight to voices that are underweighted. It's a balance thing. And in a good war game, like those, um, voices can be represented. Has it been represented in the hobby uh, c c you know, uh, thus far? Well, we're still working on that, but at least the genre itself helps me explore that. So if I have to you know, play a Nazi game or if I have to play a, you know, these different difficult histories, let's say I'll go back to colonization. Let's say I'm playing a, col a, war, a colonization-themed war game, and then there's gonna be happy one people playing the colonizer, but there's another people playing the resistance. Yes, I know war is brutal. We can have that conversation too. But at least in a war game, the, the marginalized people can fight back. And my perspective is represented. You talk to any marginalized person, we don't want to be like, oh, you're wonderful, you're great. Just represent me. Give me agency. Let me fight back. Let me resist. <laughs> That's the start of something positive. Then we get to a colonization Euro game. I just said that if you can, if we were in a war game scenario, you play the colonizer because the balancing force is there. Alternate stories can be told and I'm more likely to get the real history from a conflict game. In a Euro game, low conflict, it's just, you know, you as a merchant that is trying to get rich. And the only, that, that you can't even call it conflict. It's more of just challenge and, you know, it's an optimization puzzle. It's like, I'm trying to, you know, the, the challenge is to get rich. There's no real direct conflict. You know, um, the fact, I think a lot of Euro players resist direct conflict. They don't like it because it means getting denied resources and, you know, it, upsetting your engine, uh, so to speak. So like the only competition, you the most competition you'll get is, is between competing merchants you know, vying for a space in a worker placement game or taking the card from a, you know, a card-driven card game. That's the only conflict. But the conflict is between one perspective, people that have one perspective, merchants, a bunch of merchants. Where is the perspective of 
the lower folks in the lower end. You know, they're often, you know, and the Puerto Rico is probably the worst example of this because they're represented on the, on the board with the brown chips, uh, at least the old version. Uh, and, you know, but in a lot of these Euro games, like workers are just inert and they're, you know, their historical uh, reality is denied, and especially in a history game. You know, we love to play in these, you know, for tier uh, situations and all these other uh, areas where, you know, the lower classes, the workers, the people that are actually generating the value for the merchants, they, their story's not told. You know, the resistance is not told. The struggle is not told. Uh, the problems that they gave the um, the overseers, that's not told. None, none of that erased. All that's erased. So that's just kind of germane to the Euro genre. Uh, so it's nothing wrong with Euro games. There's plenty of Euro games that are fun and great and everything. Uh, you know, something like Agricola. Agricola is telling a hyper-local story. It's kind of what I did with Puerto Rico. I just made it Puerto Rican Agricola, a hyper-local Puerto Rican story. That's all I did. <laughs> uh, so there's nothing wrong with Euro games, but the, when you put these kind of world historical sweeps, these narratives onto the Euro engine, then you get a single perspective and you erase entirely the other perspective. The other thing is a lot of these Euro games are going for a more of a mass audience. You know, um, I know these games can be complex. Uh, so the, the, the audience is kind of limited that way, but you know they're not. Um, they they still want the highest sales possible. They tend to want the most popular sales possible. You know within what they're trying to do mechanically. So if there is a thematic difficulty in a Euro game, the tendency is to sacrifice that thematic difficulty at the altar of the mechanical thing that works. And. You, once you, when you use history, sometimes there's some things that just can't get sacrificed. If you're gonna tell an honest historical story, you design around it, and maybe you even come up with something cooler by accommodating the real history. In a Euro game, ooh, that balances off. So, because of the audience pressure, because of the desire to have larger sales, make people more comfortable, you know, get people into the mechanical experience things get steamrolled, perspectives get steamrolled, that they don't in a war game. Euro games are different than war games. So I distinguish those things hard. And so when someone is in the comments saying, oh, so you, you think it's so bad to play a colonizer? What's next? Was it, we have played Nazis too, is that bad too? <laughs> I mean, what I explain is a little bit subtle, so it's not like I can go back and forth on that way in the comments. But for those who are listening, for those who deal with that in their own feeds, you know, people that just kind of make that the uh, that facile equation that this is about just canceling all, you know, playing of the bad guy, making people feel good. I don't want y'all to feel good. I want y'all to have the truth. I want y'all to have access to multiple perspectives on the truth. That's what this is all about. Your games lie. Especially when they have these big historical sweeps attached to them. So this is something I've, I've said many times, but I wanted to kind of really focus. It's what this, uh, these smaller videos are all about. Taking my, my um, thoughts apart and really focusing on one issue at a time. And this is a big one for me. Euro games, the way they play out are different historical beasts than war games. Euro games can tell history, but you gotta be really careful. So I will talk about that more. How, how, how I approach making Euro games tell better history so stay tuned
Big change in my neck, change the world, people. So until next time, thank you very much for buying Puerto Rico. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list.